I'm Scott, again, one of the pastors here, and thank you for being with us, uh, guests and family, and thankful to be together. And this morning, uh, if you're just visiting us, you're coming in on the very end of a, of a sermon series that we've called The Covenantal Life of God in the Church. And what we've been doing the last couple of weeks is talking about what it means to belong to a church, why you should invest your life to a local body. So, for instance... Uh, You know, lots of people say these days, well, I don't need to go to church, I can just stay home and watch TV, or I don't need to go and belong to a church, I can just do my Christianity on my own terms. And I'm not saying those people aren't Christians, but I just think it's hard to obey the New Testament and not belong to a local body of people. And so we've been walking over the last couple of weeks why it's important, the significance of it, and uh, it's all been leading up to uh, a church covenant. that we are asking all of our family, all of our partners, all of our members, people who belong at Redemption Church, uh, to sign. And uh, we want to kind of finish up that sermon series this morning and just kind of briefly walk through what that covenant looks like with you. We've, uh, Nate and I have been working on this actually since pre-COVID. Um, we were going to do this about a year ago, and then COVID happened and everything kind of ran away from us, and uh, so we've been able to get back to it. It's been exciting. It's been fun. We've met with all of our leaders. We've walked through this with our MC leads and leadership leadership in our church, and it's just been a really encouraging time. And so as you walk out this morning, there will be on this brand new nice table that was redone in the back, a a packet um, that you can take home with you, and we're going to show you this, but you can't read it. I mean, you can, if, but right now you can't. Um, but it just has on our front page the actual church covenant and then uh, some information attached to that as well. And those will be on the back page. And so what I want to do this morning is just kind of set the parameters again, remind us of what we're doing, why we're doing it. And then Nate and I are actually going to kind of briefly walk through the covenant with you. And uh, then we're going to sing and go home, all right? So that's the prayer this morning. Redemption Church, we exist to become God's witnesses of his new world in this present world. So what that means is we believe that when Jesus got out of the grave, the new world that is in the future, he has already brought to us so that right now we can begin to initially taste As Paul says, we've been given a foretaste of what that new world is going to look like. And we get to experience it by the Spirit right now together. And so basically we just ask the question, what is that new world going to look like in the future? And how do we emulate and replicate that here? And one of the things when that comes, when you ask that question and you bring it back here, what that implies is that in that new world... There is going to be a people and only a people who are going to continually love and serve each other. Does that make sense? In the new world, when God comes and dwells with his people and his love and his life is flooding the universe, the only thing that's going to be experienced by all of us is we will be able to not only give love, but also to receive love. See, to be loving people, you actually have to not only just give it, be able to receive it. How many of you are good at giving but hate receiving it? And how many of you love to receive it but don't want to give it? See, in order for love to actually be love, there has to be this reciprocation. And there has to be this commitment to each other. 
And so God has designed the church to be a place, a local expression, where a group of people covenant together to experience by the Spirit the ability to love and to receive love from one another. And as we do that, we actually give a picture of what that new world is going to be. And that is actually the primary witness of the church to our lost world around us. That as we love each other and commit to each other in covenant to live our lives together under the lordship of Jesus, we then become an attractive community. As Paul says in the Corinthian, letter to the Corinthians, to some we become an aroma of death, but to others we become an aroma of life. That there is this attractiveness because all of us want love and we all want to give love. But because of sin, we don't do that, and it's hard for us. And so now, through the power of the Spirit, we can actually be a new covenant people. And so we believe that the way to do that is through local church. Now, I agree readily that some people, when I talk to you about this, like, okay, give me a chapter and verse where it says, I must sign a church covenant. Okay? It's in Hezekiah chapter 2, verse 4. <laughs> All right? And if you don't know, there's no book in the Bible called Hezekiah. That's a joke. Don't look for it. All right? I know there's nowhere in the New Testament that says you must join a local church. But I think it's so implicit. It is just so there, explicit. Everywhere you look, there's people who are covenanting to live their life together. And you may say to me, you know, like, I can take all of those commands and do it on my own. Like, I can meet with God's people. You know, like Hebrews 10.25, it says, do not forsake the assembling of yourselves together. Like, don't stop meeting together. And some people are like, that is on Sunday. <laughs> like, don't skip Sunday. And other people are like, well, that just means meet with God's people throughout the week. And I want to say yes to both, Okay. But what I want to say is you can take all those commands and you can deconstruct them to say, I don't need to join a church because I can do those on my own, except for when you get to this one passage in Hebrews, two passages in Hebrews, that says, submit to your elders. If you don't submit to elders, you're not part of what the New Testament calls the local church. And trust me, this is not, if you know me and if you don't know me, this is not a power play. This is not like, yes, you must submit your life to me. No. Okay, the point is, is that God has put in the church leadership, pastors, elders, who govern and have, have oversight over your soul. Like, trust me, this is not a power thing, because at Judgment Day, I'm going to have to give an account for my responsibility of how I have shepherded each one of you. That is a massive weight, but God has instituted elders to, to lead and to govern and to shepherd and help you do ministry. See, redemption, we have this statement, the many don't pay the few to go do ministry. We actually say, did you catch that? The many, the church, doesn't pay us. You don't pay me to go do ministry for you. We, we like to say it this way, the few equip the many to go do ministry according to Ephesians chapter 4. And so the reality is that now as a, as a church, we have leaders, and Lord willing, we are in the process of training up some more elders and leaders right now, so it's just not a Nate and Scott show. We want this to be a whoever wants to be an elder and is qualified show. 
where we can now lead and equip you to go out and do ministry. And so the New Testament says to belong to a local body means you must submit yourselves to elders who have oversight and responsibility and accountability for your souls. And so here's a reason why we think church partnership, church membership is so important is because what has been done to us in Jesus by being brought into a new covenant this new arrangement by which God relates to His people through Jesus, the better covenant, now we come together in this new covenant and we are just asking all of us, including Nate and I, to formalize what has already been done to us internally. We already are in a covenant relationship with each other because of our relationship with Jesus. Every time we take communion, we say, this cup is the what? New covenant in my blood, yes. Okay, exactly. It's the blood, and that blood is representing a new covenant, a new way God is operating and arranging with His people, a better covenant through Jesus. So we exist already in this covenant relationship, and we're asking each of us just to simply formalize what has already been done to us. And so what does that mean to become a covenant partner, to, become a, to belong to Redemption Church? Well, let me just take a few minutes and share something with you on that. I think on the slide I have, the next slide is, or uh, the previous slide, the process. You're just like, how do, we become, how do we even become a covenant partner? Like, and you're like, I've never been here before. I don't want to become a covenant partner. Thank you for being here. You're like, I've been here for 15 years. I still know what I'm doing. This is for you, okay? Um, but it's like, we, this is just a basic process. We ask you to stick around for six weeks. We ask you to jump into the life of a missional community, to get into the rhythms, to you know, visit multiple MCs and see what they're doing, what their mission is. And once you get kind of plugged into that, we'd ask you to attend a foundations class, which we have coming up in October. And then it's a uh, pastoral interview, like if you've already been plugged into our life, like one of the things we want you plugged into our life, rather than I just want to join and then jump in. We're like, why don't you jump in first and see if this is really for you. And then you'll have a pastoral interview where we'll meet with you and quiz you for four hours over your systematic theology and all of those. Th- just kidding. But a pastoral interview, just to know how God is working in your life and what God is doing. Make sure that you are a follower of Jesus and have been baptized. And then we'll ask you to sign the covenant, which will be out there. And then we would expect you, just like everyone else, including me, to follow our four rhythms of gather, go, give, grow. And so that's just the process of what we're looking for. And when you do that, we then would say this. And I have on the slide for us, I think two more after this, a passage of scripture from 1 Corinthians chapter 12 that says this, just as a body... Though one has many parts, but all its many parts form one body, so it is with Christ. For we are all baptized by one Spirit so as to form one body, whether Jews or Gentiles, slave or free. And we are all given the one Spirit to drink, even so the body is not made up of one part, but of many. This is what we ask you to do. Any of you... uh, Football fans, the NFL's back, right? I hate to say this. Any Patriot fans out there? Okay, good. Anyone? Bill Belichick, what does he always say? Do your job, right? <laughs> do your job. Next person up, do your job. 
This is what we would expect. It's just you fulfill what God has called you and equipped you to do and to be. We don't ask you to be a pastor if you don't want to be a pastor. We're not asking you to lead music if you can't lead music. You're like, you know what? I feel like God has equipped me to be behind the scenes and build tables. I don't know. We need, if that's what you want, I guess we need tables. So start building. But I mean, like, just know your role. Like, this is what it means to be a part of a church, be a part of the body of Christ, is, is that you, whether you're an eye or a foot, as Paul will say, or you're a hands, or you, you're not the head because Jesus is the head, but whatever part you are, you play your role. Because he says in the previous section on the next slide, a spiritual gift is given to each of us so that we can help each other. Do you know when you don't use your spiritual gift, you're not just being disobedient to God, you're actually robbing the church of blessing. You're robbing the church of being able to experience fullness and wholeness by you just sitting and not doing anything. So yes, we want you to employ and use your giftings and your abilities to serve God, but that is for the benefit of us. We need you to play your role. You need me to play my role. And as soon as one of us is not playing our role, the body becomes weak. And so the Spirit of God equips every one of us with gifts and abilities to be a part of the body. And I promise you, if you like kids, we need help with kids. <laughs> I've yet to know any pastor who has always had the kid and the nursery team full. Every pastor I know, it's like the number one need is always kids. I, I mean, I have four of them. I get it. Peace. Two hours of freedom. <laughs> right? Like, that's nice. Um, but, like, yeah, if you love to work with kids, we got places for you to work with kids. If you're like, I'm really good at music, come on up. We got places for music. You're like, I want to lead and teach a, a, a missional community. Come on, we'd love to train you and help you, equip you. Like, we're game. Like, God's called you to do it. We're going to figure out how to help you do it. And we want to do that because we want to build each other up so that we can have a loving community who is covenanted to commit together so that we can be a visible demonstration of the kingdom of God to our lost city. And in this church covenant, my final piece here really quick is that this church covenant is, it is the elders making a covenant to you. And it is a covenant where you are covenanting to everyone else in the body. So there's an elders covenant. And why I say that? Because I want you to know like all the elders or present and future will covenant that we are going to do to the best of our ability these things for you. This isn't just like you covenant and we do whatever we want. No, here's what we have covenanted to do for you. And as a body, we're part of the body, we are going to covenant with you alongside of you to do what God has called you to do, just like we're asking you to do. So that's just what we would want us to understand in, in summary fashion of what we've been talking about over the last few weeks. And Nate's going to just walk through a, a couple questions that you might have, um, and if you have more, you can definitely ask us after or the next couple weeks, but uh, just a few questions that we've already tried to put together. Yep. 
Yeah, so Scott already kind of hit this, but a common question that we often get asked is, what are the requirements? What do I have to do to become a covenant partner? And he just walked through that. That was what we would call our partnership process, those six different steps that were up there. That's what we would ask everybody to do. That, in one sense, that's all. That's the requirement to do that, that someone is a baptized follower of Jesus seeking to live out their faith here in the context of Redemption Church. Uh, there's no real time requirement needed, but normally we find it takes people about six months to get used to coming on a Sunday gathering, get plugged into some missional community life, visit different ones, and then actually start to attend a foundations class and walk through that process. We normally find it takes about six months to do that. Uh, is there an age limit to be a covenant partner here? There is no age limit for becoming a covenant partner as long as someone can meet those requirements for partnership. Normally, we would say anyone under the age of 18, if they're here with their family, that they would participate under their parents' oversight. But again, the real important piece, though, is that someone understands our, our theology and our practices and why we believe that we're called to this life in this way. Another question that we often get asked is people want to come and they don't want to be a member or a partner, but they still want to serve. They want to serve in different ways, but I don't, I'm not a partner yet, so can I serve? Can I serve in the nursery and if I'm not a partner? We believe that the church is a family, that we're committed to one another, and that anyone either serving in leadership or particularly working with our kids has to be a covenant partner. Uh, that's why we don't allow people who aren't a committed covenant partner to be in our nursery. So just so you know, if your kids are in our nursery, those are people that are covenant partners that we as pastors have met with. Those people have been background checked. Those people have been trained to be with the kids. Um, so that's why we don't allow people to serve unless they've actually gone through our partnership process with us in those types of ways, either with our kids or specifically in a leadership role. Another thing that we've been talking about is that we're going to do this type of covenant signing every year. Every September, we're going to walk through our covenant again, and then we are all going to sign it together. Again, it doesn't necessarily have to be at the same time. But every year, we will ask you to review the covenant, we will teach through it, and then ask you to sign it. But why do we do that? We sign the covenant for several reasons. First off, we see that practice in the Old Testament, that the people of God would come together Moses would read the law, walk through what it looks like, and they would covenant together under Moses to be God's people. So we see that pattern. We see the kings of Israel calling the people into these covenant renewal type ceremonies. So we also realize that we repeat things in life because we forget. We forget what it means to be a covenant family often, which is why every September we will spend that month reviewing what it means. I mean, maybe you've heard this quote. Martin Luther in the Reformation said, I preach the gospel every week because every week the people forget. Every week the people will forget and they need to come again and hear the good news. And we forget. What does it mean? Why is it so important to be part of a covenant family? We are committed to review that every year with all of us. And even pragmatically, if you want out, gotten out every year, once a year. I mean, you can get out before that as well. But that's a time to say, covenant renewal time is coming up. It's almost September. Do I really want to be here another year? I mean, you can jump out whenever you want. Does that make sense? But every year, there's a, even a pragmatics built into that. What if I want to become a partner in the middle of the year? Another great question that people have asked us before. 
you're free to do that. You can sign the covenant at any time. You don't, it's not like you can only sign it in September. We would just ask that you've actually gone through that partnership process, though, whenever you sign the covenant. Another really important question is, how do I know if church leadership is upholding their covenant? As Scott said, we have a leadership covenant to you, and then there's a covenant that all of us will sign to each other. So how do you know if leadership is upholding their covenant? That's a great question. We're committed as elders to seek to inform you as best as we know how of everything going on in our church, of the direction, of decisions, through our Sunday gatherings, through meeting with leaders who will uh, give information to you. But we encourage anyone present, but particularly our partners, to always come and ask us any questions that you have. If you see areas where you're wondering if we really are upholding our end, our covenant to you, please don't hesitate to come and ask us. We really believe in being open with our finances, with things in our personal lives, with areas of sin that maybe you see in us that you want to call us to. It's actually amazing being in a church where that's just our principle. You want to look at our books. You want to look at our budget. You want to look at our salaries. You want to look at what we're doing with the church's money day in and day out. You can come and ask us whenever you want. We really have nothing to hide from you. But are you able to come and ask us? Absolutely you can. And even just as a side note, someone was asking us this, like, how do we know that you guys have accountability? Like, we have other pastors within our family of churches that we are monthly talking with, sharing about the church, sharing about our own souls, sharing about our own journey with Jesus. We have a group of local pastors that we try to meet with monthly. They're not even in our family of churches, but they're similar gospel-minded pastors in Hampton Roads, part of other churches, because we don't believe in territorialism as a church. And we meet with these guys. We talk about our lives. We talk about our struggles. We pray over each other. So it's not just the Nate and Scott show. We have a lot of other guys that we're in check with, that they know what's going on in our hearts. They know what's going on in the life of our church. One last uh, question. What is church discipline? And why should I sign up for it? Because by you signing a church covenant to be a partner with us, you are saying, I'm signing up for church discipline. Why would you do that? Paul commands the church that they should discipline someone who refuses to repent and conform to the life of Christ. And rather than viewing this as an act of hatred, it's actually the most loving thing that we could do to each other. The goal of discipline, of actually informing someone because you are not actually following Jesus, you are removed from the covenant life of our church. That actually is the most loving thing that we could do. So, for example, say we have a brother or sister in our church who is living in open, unrepentant sin. And they're choosing to do that. We will, as the elders, we will come alongside them, seek to show them from the scriptures where they're living in sin. Again, if they are claiming to follow Jesus, but then living in sin, we will come alongside them and seek to call them to repent. And if they refuse to repent, then we will tell them. And we have told people this in the past. You aren't part of our covenant family. You are living outside of the way that Jesus has called us to live. So you are removed from partnership here with us. Paul actually says that it's handing people over to Satan because they are choosing to repent. So it's like, okay, go your way. Do what you want. That's actually the most loving thing that we could do. Instead of saying, oh, well, that's okay. Don't, don't worry about that. Just keep hanging out with us. No, that's a false picture to the world of what Jesus looks like. Jesus' family is not perfect. 
But we're called to be family together. We are called to follow Jesus. We're called to continually be saying, here's where I need to repent and turn again in faith to Jesus. So by you saying, I want to be a partner at redemption, you are saying, if I go off the rails, I expect you to come after me. If I go off the rails and I start living in sin, I'm saying, church, come after me. Pull me back. And again, I, I regularly say this. Like, I've only been a pastor a handful of years. And I've already seen this go down. We as a church are committed to do that. We've seen marriages explode and one spouse goes off the rails and we call them to repent. And sometimes people do and sometimes people don't. We've had people caught in other areas of sin where they refuse to repent and we seek to call them and come alongside them and bring them back into the fold of Jesus, back into walking in the light. Sometimes it goes good and sometimes it doesn't. But that's what we're committed to as it relates to church discipline. And as becoming a covenant partner, that's what you're signing up for. So again, you might have other questions, but those are kind of some common questions that we often get asked as it relates to being a covenant partner here. And so now, leadership covenant, just want to walk through our covenant to you as leadership. We can get you a copy of this if you actually want to read through this. I think it's a couple tabs down. It's, the, uh, it's called the Leadership Covenant to Redemption Church. So we as the church's elders were entrusted with leading, feeding, protecting, and caring for God's people for God's missional purposes, which means that we covenant these things to you. We promise to do these things for you. First off, we promise to ordain elders and appoint deacons and leaders according to the scripture's criteria for leaders. That's one of our main jobs is to not just make it just Nate and Scott, but to be training other leaders to help lead all of you here at Redemption. It's our, we covenant to you to prayerfully seek God's will for our church family, to steward the resources, the finances, the giftings that we have here at Redemption. And just so you know, each week, what are Scott and I doing when you don't see us here? We're meeting together, we're training leaders, we're praying, we're studying the scriptures, we're seeking to best figure out how do we lead Jesus' people right here in Hampton Roads in this season of life. We covenant to you to shepherd our church family and the individuals here as gospel-centered disciples, as a family, as missionaries, in truth and love, seeing that all of our life is worship to Jesus. So what we're saying there is that we commit to be the best shepherds we know how. Are we the best shepherds? No. There's guys who can run churches and shepherd people way better than us. But our covenant to you is to do the best job possible that we know how with the giftings, with the abilities that we have been given. We commit to you to faithfully preach and teach the Bible, to give advice to you and counsel based on the scriptures, which, in case you didn't know, we really believe that the Bible is God's word. Like, we really believe that. When you are reading your Bible, as Scott has said before, if you want to hear God talk to you, open your Bible and read out loud. You will hear God speaking. We believe that when the scriptures are faithfully taught, it is God speaking. Not saying that we are God, but the scriptures as they are preached is God speaking to his people. We equip also... We, Covenant also to you, as Scott already said, to faithfully equip you to be the ministers of the gospel. 
the few, the ones trained to study the scriptures, teach the many, because you guys are the real ministers of the gospel. Yes, we are too, but ministers of the gospel are not just the paid professionals. You guys are the ones taking the good news of Jesus into all of life. We also covenant in that to equip you. We commit and covenant to train you. So if you have areas of life, things that you don't understand about the Bible or doctrine or how to counsel people or how to lead people or how to live in missional community, please let us know. One of my favorite things as a pastor when someone says, hey, I don't really know what to think about this. Can you recommend books or resources? Or could you train me? Could you meet with me and teach me this? Not much would give us greater joy than getting to do that with you and getting to walk with you alongside that. We also covenant to you to protect against false teachers and false teaching. If you read pretty much any part of the New Testament writings after the Gospels, there's all this talk of false teachers. There's all this talk of people coming into the churches, teaching different things about Jesus, teaching different things about the Scriptures, and the elders are called to put a stop to that, to rebuke those who are not just living in sin, but to rebuke those who are teaching things that do not align with the Scriptures and with the counsel of God. So we covenant to protect our church against false teaching. Again, the New Testament calls us pastors, which is a word for shepherd. If you think about a shepherd, yeah, he, he takes care of the sheep, but what does he do with the wolves? He doesn't say, oh, come on, hang out with us. He kicks them out. He throws stones. He uses his staff. He fights off the wolves. So we are committed to protect you guys against wolves, whether that's through false teaching, whether that's through people coming in and seeking to deceive or to lead people away from Jesus. And what's amazing is that we're not shepherding alone. Me and Scott really believe that Jesus is the true great shepherd, and we're shepherding behind him. He's calling us, he's shepherding us, and we're now trying to shepherd behind him, pushing you guys to be shepherded by him. Almost done with these. We covenant to exercise discipline, as I already talked about, in love, when necessary, pursuing God's glory, in the good of the one being disciplined for the health of the church. As I already said, we are committed to pursue you in love if you go off the rails. We covenant to set an example for you. We covenant to fulfill our obligations to you as your shepherds, but also as co-partners with you here at Redemption Church. What we're asking you to do, we ourselves are also doing. That's all we're trying to say there. And as you already know, we will fail you. There will be times when you will probably be disappointed with us. There will be times where we are making these promises to you, and there will probably be times when we give you counsel that have to come back and say, you know what? Here's what we actually should do instead. We're sorry for that. We covenant to never intentionally lead you wrong. But there will be times where we probably will have to come to you and repent. As I said a couple weeks ago, I've only been a pastor for a couple years. I've already had to apologize to a lot of people for accidentally saying things that's like, you know what, that's not true. You know what, I actually thought and prayed more about this, and here's what I think we need to do instead. I'm sorry for saying that other thing to you. So we covenant to uphold our obligations, but we also ask you to realize that we're not perfect. We're not the true shepherd. So we ourselves are being shepherded by Jesus. So that's our leadership covenant to you. And now Scott's going to lead us through the rest of our covenant together.
So the covenant partnership amongst ourselves is organized around our rhythms, our four rhythms of gather, go, give, and grow. And uh, so we have a couple of covenant commitments that we are attempting to make to each other based on those four rhythms. And so the first one is gather. And uh, basically the first two is that we commit to meet on Sundays as an entire family. And then we commit to gather throughout the week in our missional communities. And the third one is we attempt to actually in other forms of godly encouragement. We encourage you to meet with people who are not in your MC. I know that sounds weird, okay? Um, We encourage you to meet with other God's people, but just commit to gather with God's people on Sunday and throughout the week. And uh, under gather as well, as we gather together as a family, we submit uh, to the loving discipline of the church uh, for our individual benefits. And then the second one is go. Uh, We will endeavor to give witness to Jesus and his resurrection and word and deed, both in my daily life and with God's people. And so we believe that you are sent, but we believe we're sent together. And since we can't always be together all day long, you have your individual witness when you're at your workplace, when you're in your neighborhood. But we also believe that you're part of a body that gives a bigger and much broader picture of what the good news of Jesus is all about. And so we encourage you to join in in your mission uh, with your MC as those continue to develop and to grow. And you will commit to pray for those who don't know Jesus. Uh, One of the reasons I don't think we see enough in our life is because we don't pray enough. Anyone with me? And that's not like to beat you over the head like pray, but it's just weird. When you actually pray, God usually answers. And so we want to be a people who will commit and be reminded to be praying for people who don't know Jesus. To give, uh, again, basically the idea of give is that we ask you to give of your time, your abilities, and your resources. Okay, so this is broader than just giving your money. Uh, This is like using your gifts, your abilities, your resources, and what God has given you. So you'll seek to steward them for the benefit of the kingdom and to use your abilities to build up the church. And then to grow, I will seek to grow daily in my walk with Jesus through the disciplines of Scripture and prayer, but also grow through relationships with other believers within and outside Redemption Church. So we just want you to put high priority on your walk with Jesus, with God's people. And you'll seek to repent of known sin and receive the admonition of brothers and sisters who graciously seek to help me. How many of you like people pointing out sin in your life? You, you hate it like for the first 12 minutes, right? But then you're thankful. And we want to be, I want, I want to encourage us to be humble people to receive what people say about us. They might be wrong, and that's okay. We don't get defensive, but just be willing to repent and acknowledge that there's way more sin in your life that you don't even know about that you're not repenting of yet already. Number three, I'll endeavor to allow the gospel to transform the deep structures of my soul, including my emotions, will, and my mind. What we're getting there is like our sermon series did a few months ago, like we're not just seeking to change some external surface things, but deep, deep down our emotions, our will, our mind, we need the good news of Jesus uh, to become real to us. And then finally, because of my allegiance to Jesus, I will seek the unity of the church through extending forgiveness to those who have hurt me, and through seeking reconciliation and broken relationships. You know what? Sometimes, for the sake of Jesus, just forgive someone. You know what I mean? Like, just get over yourself 
and forgive them because you love Jesus. And like, that's what the evidence of the New Testament is, is that when there's a loving community who's unified, is reconciling with each other, that's when wholeness and flourishing happens. So that is uh, our covenant that we would ask for you to sign. Uh, You notice we didn't ask for your tax returns um, and match those up with your giving. Um, We didn't do any crazy things. I jokingly but seriously say we're asking you to be a Christian. Does that make sense? Like, I know it's weird, but we're just asking you to live out your daily walk with Jesus. And so on your way out, um, there will be a copy of this covenant and a couple of things that we've talked about. Uh, There will also be a contact information sheet. We would love to get an updated contact, like your name, your spouse, kids, all those areas on there, if you would fill those out for us as well. And what we'd like to do is, the end of October, throw a party, some kind of celebration here. Um, There'll be more information about that. You're like, when do I have to return this? Do I need to hand it in today? No. Okay? Um, In fact, I would encourage you to take it home, read about it, pray about it, rather than just hand it in to me and in six minutes. Um, and you can hand it any time you want, but if you are committed and you want to join and sign this covenant, uh, be a partner of Redemption Church, we'd ask you um, three or four weeks to hand that over to us, and we will uh, sign you up and throw you a party. No, I'm just kidding. But we will have a big celebration together in the end of October, so be looking for that. And as we close, I just want to say this. Why do we do all of this? We do all of this because of Jesus. The one who left the glories and the fellowship of the Father to come to take on human flesh, to die the death that we should have died, so that now we can live the life that he's living. We do this for Jesus. We don't do this for the sake of Redemption Church. We don't do this for the fame of me. We don't do this for your benefit. We do this so that Jesus would be made to be beautiful. And these are just means to the end of making Jesus everything. These are just ways that we are going to seek to live together so that Jesus can be shown to be who he really is. Because at the end of the day, the only thing that matters is the fame and the name of Jesus. Not the fame or the name of me or Redemption Church. And so... I hope you understand and know from our heart that we exist for Jesus. And we want these just to be means and ways to accomplish being Jesus' people so that Jesus would be known in our city. So, Father, thank you for a few minutes to walk through this. In some ways it might be tedious, but in other ways it's very significant and very important that we understand who we are as a a church, And Spirit, I pray that you would empower us and equip us so that Jesus, his excellency, his supremacy, his sovereignty over all things would be demonstrated through our lives. So thank you for a beautiful morning together. And as we sing and leave, I pray that you would equip us to go out to be your people together in Jesus' name.